Has he been good to you this week? Has he made a way for you this week? You ought to lift your voice for just a moment. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to speak in this house. God, we love you, Jesus. God, we honor you, Jesus. I'm honored to be back with you all again this week. Um, I love Brother Robin so very much. I mean that with all of my heart. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to belabor the point. I know I said a lot Wednesday, but there are a lot of you not here Wednesday. And uh, I just want to thank this church again for being the church that I needed. And uh, sometimes the church I still need. But I'm very thankful for this church, for everything you've done for me. I, if I tried to start going down the list of everything, I would forget something. And um, I was telling a friend at the wedding I was just at, I said, man, I'd have to preach three years worth of revivals just to pay this church back in gas. I don't even want to start on food and everything else we've done. But I thank you so very much. I love this church very, very much. This place always has, will, and always has had a special place in my heart. And I Whenever I come through here, I come through here a lot driving, and I'm always on that main highway, and I always see Cedar Grove, and I and I this is not a lie, Brother Robbins. I'm telling you the truth right now. I always say, God, give them everything that they need in this hour. Church, I'm telling you, this is the greatest hour for us to be an apostolic one God church. I don't know about the rest of you, but I believe that with all of my heart. This is our finest hour. I'm thankful for a church that stands for truth and is going to love God. And I'm thankful there's a place of refuge here in Tupelo, Mississippi. So I love, love this church, love Brother Robbins very, very much. I'm going to take your attention to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 38. While you're turning, I also give honor to Sister Robbins. She's been very, very kind to me and uh, honored to be here. Acts 2, verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves. Everybody say, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And I want to take you to one more scripture, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and, they, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Today, I want to preach to you from this thought. I feel 
felt the Lord speak this to me, and I feel like it's for this church, and that's simply this. Get yourself together. Get yourself together. Won't you set your Bible down and stretch your hand toward this pulpit and ask God to be in this house? Lord, we need you, God. Come on, church, lift your voice like a church that knows how to pray right now. God, in the name of Jesus, I need your touch in this house, God. Lord, I'm just a vessel, God, but I need you to speak, Lord. Use me, God, as a mouthpiece for you, Lord. Lord, hide me behind the cross, Lord. Lord, your word's already anointed, God, but let the anointing flow, God. Walk these aisles, God. Be in every pew, God. Touch every life, God. Speak to somebody's heart today, God, and we give you praise and glory. Why don't everybody shout in Jesus' name? You may be seated. I'm going to do my best to be aware of the time. Today, I've taken you to scriptures that are very familiar. Matter of fact, if you cannot quote Acts 2.38, I'm going to guess you have not been around the apostolic faith a very long time. Because at the foundation of what we believe is Acts 2.38. At the foundation of who we are is that there is one God and his name is Jesus. Hey, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 has not changed. It does not plan on changing. It will never change. And it says here, O Israel, the Lord our God is but one Lord. There ain't nobody beside him. There ain't nobody above him. There ain't nobody next to him. He alone is God and he has made a way for us to be saved. I've said it many times in my preaching, and in the Old Testament, we know that there are different names that you could call for God to get his attention. You called him Jehovah Jireh, and he would be your provider, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. But in the New Testament, he gave us a name, and everything is culminated in that name. I'm thankful to God today. I just got to say Jesus, and he'll be my healer. I just got to say Jesus, and he'll be my provider. He'll be everything I need him to be. But today, I'm not here to defend God's deity simply because there are things that you cannot understand until you've got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. There are some things of God that you might not be able to grasp until you've spoken in that heavenly language. There are some things in God you just won't be able to get like some of us have gotten until the Holy Ghost gives you revelation. The mighty God in Christ is a mystery because it's a revelation of who he is. And until you get the Holy Ghost, you might not get the revelation, but maybe it's the best thing running. And so today, though, today, I'm going to do my best to preach to you from that thought. You've got to get yourself together. The Bible has given us clear instruction on how to be saved. The Bible has given us clear instruction on how to flee youthful lust, on how to get out of things that will keep us trapped by the adversary of our soul. Do you understand today that the devil is after you? The devil wants you to be tripped up. The devil wants you to be messed up. The devil wants you to be bound. The devil wants you to feel defeated and discouraged. The devil wants you to think that God's not on your side, but 
baby, I come with a message for you this morning. The devil ain't got power over a child of the living God. You know what you need to do today? You need to make up your mind. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of what's got me bound. I'm coming out of what's got me defeated. I will come out of this today. Because what you've got to understand is the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that there was a man called a fowler. And the, the, this, this fowler, the Bible mentions the snare of the fowler many times in the Old Testament. A fowler was a person who specialized in trapping birds. This person not only knew what every bird liked, but it knew specific birds, specific types of birds. It knew what you wanted. It knew what, what they would like to eat on. It knew what would attract the attention of these birds. So, so he had to specialize in these birds. You realize from the day you breathe your first first breath until today. The devil has been studying you, trying to figure out what's going to get them trapped up, what's going to get them messed up, and he has faceted a trap specifically for you. It ain't going to work for me, but it might work for you. And see, what might work for you ain't going to work for me. I, I, I don't have an obsession with money, but for some people, they might have an obsession with money, and that could be the trap of the devil for them. But can I tell you, we, we better be careful not to be mixed up and messed up in the wrong things. I know you think it's a small thing. You might think it's not that big of a deal, Brother White, but I'm telling you today, it's a trap of the enemy. He's trying to get your soul. I, I've got friends that I love very much that we went to Bible college together and they were good young men. And, and all of a sudden, they started to, to drift in their relationship with God. And you got to understand, so when I was in Bible college, which most everybody in this church knows, I was broke. I was, I was down to pennies sometimes. But these two young men, they found a good job that, that paid them good money, and, and they realized we can make even more money. And it was never the girls that got them. It was never the glory that got them. It was the money that got them. And what they didn't realize was the devil was setting up a trap to capture their soul. And they fell prey into a trap that the devil has specifically created for them. Can I tell you that there is a trap specifically created for you? You might say, well, it's just a job. But if it's keeping you away from God on Sundays and it's keeping you away from God on Wednesdays and it's affecting your prayer life, it might just be a trap. It's not a just a job. Well, you say, well, Brother White, it's just a girlfriend. But if she's trying to make you do things you ought not be doing, it might not be just a girlfriend. It's a trap from the devil. Now, I told you on Wednesday, you're going to have to preach with me because if you don't preach with me, I'm going to think you ain't getting it, and I'm going to preach a little long. I'm going to do my best to get you to the Mexican restaurant for the Baptists do. But, but if you don't preach with me, we might get there after them. But there are traps specific to you. You understand something? The devil is, is, is not a very smart opponent. He's been doing the same tricks for a long time. Matter of fact, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And, and we have fallen prey to the same things over and over and over and over and over again. But today, you need to get out of the rut. You need to get out of... 
You need to get out of the ritualistic lifestyle you've been living and say, not today, not tomorrow. I'm coming out today. I wish somebody would say, I'm coming out today. You've been living trapped up long enough. You need to say, I'm coming out today. Because here's the truth. This is the truth that the devil doesn't want you to know. So you're going to have to listen close. It's going to be very simple, but I promise you it's revelatory. The only person that has the power to get you out of your trap is yourself. I'm going to be honest with you. I can sit here and preach till I'm blue in the face. And let me tell you, that would be very hard for that mean. But I can, I can sit here and preach till I'm blue in the face. And if you have made up your mind that you're not ready to come out of the trap, not, not enough preachers going to get you out. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me right now. Not enough singing is going to get you out. Not enough church service is going to get you out. At some point, you're going to have to make up your mind. I'm tired of where I am. I'm coming out of where I am. I cannot stay here any longer. When you really get fed up, I promise you, you'll come out swinging. I saw recently where this man, he, he started a company, and he, his, his whole thing is he goes around and he offers people jobs that, that are messed up on drugs, people that have, have, have seen the worst kind of situations that you could possibly imagine. And I saw he was going around to several men, young men, men about my age, even maybe younger, and he was saying, hey, listen, I can get you off the streets. I'll offer you a good job that pays good, and, and I'll help you get clean. Do you want it or not? And it it broke my heart to see the amount of young men that said, no, I'm just not ready. I I, want to keep living in the streets for a little while. I want to keep sitting here and be bound up for a little while. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, the price of being bound is staggering. You realize that there is freedom in the Holy Ghost that you've not yet achieved because you won't let some things go. You realize that there's liberty in the spirit that you've not yet achieved because you're still harboring bitterness and you're still harboring the hurt that they did to you and you're still mad because they was talking about you. Baby, it's time for you to get out of the trap this morning. You need to let that mess go and say, God, whatever you've got for me, I need the glory of God. Well, come on, somebody. You ought to clap your hands. And let the devil know, I'm coming out of this today. You're not going to keep my family bound anymore. You're not going to keep me bound up anymore. You're not going to keep me messed up. But you understand something today that there is a trap. It's hard nowadays to convince people that there is even an adversary of their soul. Well, I believe that is the reason because many people are out there playing around, flirting around with the devil and worldliness. Can I tell you, church, that we're living in an age where people are desperate for a move of God? They, they want God. I, I know that some people say that young people don't want God, but you can't tell me that young people don't want God. They want God. They just don't know how to find him. And so they've started seeking him through other means, through scientific study. They've started seeking him through astrology. They've started seeking him through hoodoo and voodoo, but the devil is a liar. I I come against that in the name of Jesus. He cannot have my generation. He cannot have Tupelo, Mississippi. He cannot. 
I went to God. Somebody would start preaching with me. I, I, I come against the devil right now because there's some things that have got you hemmed up and you ain't ready to get free yet. But in Jesus' name, be free. In Jesus' name, be free. Because there is a lie that the enemy is sold to the church. We think that he's got power. We think that he's got any kind of ability to, to, to change things. Can I tell you, that's just not true. And I understand that it, it's not nice when you're going through a trial. I understand that. I, I'm not trying to sit here and make it seem like you're always going to be, you know, living on the, the easy street. That ain't the case. I wish it were. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be very difficult to live for God. But at some point, you've got to realize this is something that's very pivotal that I thought that we had an understanding of. But I've seen as I travel around Pentecost that we don't seem to have quite an understanding of. And that is that there is power in the name of Jesus. Uh, some of you don't believe it. That's why I was so quiet when I said that. I said there is power in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you something? Even the Trinitarians believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. Why in the world would the one God apostolics not believe that there's power in the name of Jesus? I'm going to tell you something, church. If we just realized the power and authority we had in the name, my God, what kind of church would we turn into? Every time I'm going through a trial, I call Jesus. Whenever the devils fight me, I call Jesus. When my children won't act right, I call Jesus. They used to sing a song, it's Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus all day long. Why? Because I realized something, that when I get down to my lowest, I need the name Jesus. Because when my money gets funny, and my change is strange, and my green gets lean, I need the name Jesus. When the bills get ready to be paid, I need the name Jesus. When, when, when people around me want to cause discord and strife, I need the name Jesus. Hey, I'm just going to bring it closer to home. When people think they want to leave this church, we need the name Jesus. Hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, it don't matter to me because God is going to replace people. He always has done that for this church. So why in the world are we concerned? Hey, revival's on the way, church. Revival's on the way, church. I said revival is on the way, church. Maybe you don't believe it, but I just got a feeling that something good is about to happen. And I'll give you, I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about what's happened in my life recently. I, I, I was at a church in Alabama, beautiful church called New Garden. Pentecost Church, one of the oldest churches, I believe it's the oldest church in the state of Alabama. I was at that church for about 13 weeks. The pastor had kind of some health issues going on, and Brother Robbins, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought I was going to take a church, and I was scared to death, because I'm not married, keep praying for me though in Jesus' name. I, I believe she's on the way in Jesus' name. 
I'm not married. I'm only 28 years old. And here I am. This pastor is sick, and, and we're in revival. And, you know, it wasn't just Sunday and midweek. It was Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You talk about having to get down in the Word. We did that for 13 weeks straight. While I was in that revival, we seen some of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life happen. I, I was in the middle of preaching and somebody walked up to the front and got the Holy Ghost. We seen people come in that were bound by the devil and, and got freedom from, from I seen a, a lesbian come in and get the Holy Ghost and get free from homosexuality. I, I'm just telling you what, what I know can happen because I've seen it happen. And, and that little church in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, had about 60 or 70 people when we started revival. And when we ended revival, if they were running over 130 people. I know you think this is just some old story. No, this just happened a year ago, just one state over in Alabama. I'm telling you, God's not, God's not waiting on revival. We just need to realize what God wants to do. You think that your family don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? The devil is a liar. They need this Holy Ghost. You think for a moment God's not pouring out his spirit? The devil is a liar. He's pouring out his spirit. You better believe that he is. You better believe that he is because if we don't believe that God's doing it, we can close the doors, lock up this church, cut the lights off, and, and everybody go by their way. But if we're going to believe this thing, we better believe it to the fullest extent of the message. The Bible tells us you've you got to believe Jesus' name, baptism. Thank God for it. You've got to believe in the oneness of God. And you've got to believe in holiness and living within and without. You've got to be holy. I don't care what the world wants to tell us. But, baby, you've got to take the message to the world, too. See, you ever notice something? That's where we kind of lose people when you're preaching. We lose people when we start talking about taking the message. Because let's be honest, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm an extrovert, so it don't really matter to me. I'll tell anybody. But I know that a lot of people in this room, you're introverted. And we get to the point, you, you remember Brother Robbins? We used to have a Spanish church here. And, and now, I don't, remember, I don't even remember what happened to it. I just know one Sunday that we weren't doing it no more. Right. And, and, and I'm saying that to say this. We, we go to that Mexican restaurant all the time. And I'm sitting there wondering to myself, when's somebody going to tell the server about this Jesus name message? And maybe you are telling her. I'm not, I'm not saying, assuming that you're not. But I'm just saying at some point, when are we going to realize the seriousness of the message? I, I, I'm serious, church, because this is what Ezekiel lets me know. Ezekiel said that how, if you know that somebody is in impending doom and you choose not to tell them, their blood is required of thee. So let me tell you something, church. You, you, keep, you keep passing by that Walmart cashier who's got a bit of a drug problem and she's just trying to make it to her next high. And you walk through her line and, and all of a sudden you, you feel a nudging of the Holy Ghost that you need to invite her to that Pentecostal church you go to. And you choose to keep your mouth shut. You're going to stand before God on judgment one of these days. And I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. I pray to God he has mercy. Why? Because he had mercy on me. I better tell other people about the mercy of God. Because Pentecost has become so pretty. 
Can I tell you it's a shame because the hairdos have gotten smaller, but the shouting has gotten more limited. Because there was a day some of you sitting behind ladies today, you wouldn't be able to see ahead of you because the head was the hair was so big, it was gigantic. But there was something even in those old times where they didn't care about that. They didn't even care about the hairdo. They were still going to shout it down if they had to. And they didn't care what people thought about them. They was going to go tell somebody, you need this Holy Ghost. I remember Sister Bartlett telling me, she was telling a Baptist preacher, sir, you ain't got nothing and you need to come to the Pentecostal church. I don't mean to offend nobody, but if you ain't got the Holy Ghost, you ain't got nothing and you need it today. You say, well, Brother White, that's a little harsh. It's the word of God. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in tongue. You need to be baptized in the only saving name, and it's Jesus. I don't, I don't preach a mystic gospel. I don't preach mysticism, and I don't preach fables. I'm preaching you the word of God this morning. The word of God says, lest a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And then it also goes in to say, unless a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. You know what that tells me? Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. You can't understand the kingdom. And, and then he says, okay, you got to be born of the water and you got to be born of the spirit to be in the kingdom. If you're not in the kingdom, you can't understand the kingdom. So that's why I don't get offended when people want to talk about us on Facebook and social media. They can't understand what we do. You can't understand holiness until you've been in the kingdom. You can't understand our separation until you've been in the kingdom. You want to know why it don't bother me to live this lifestyle? Because I love him so much and I understand that he first loved me. And because he gave me a way out, because he gave me a way of escape from the devil's grip, I'm going to do whatever I can to be pleasing to him. I've got to be pleasing to God. I've got to get myself together. At some point, I've got to realize that the responsibility is on me. I can't keep blaming other people for my mishaps. I can't keep blaming. I can't even blame my, my raising Brother Robbins anymore. I, I understand some of us, you want to say, well, I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Well, you might not have had this. And you might not have had that. I, I didn't barely have two pennies to rub together, but God had a calling on my life. And thank God he gave me a pastor that said, boy, I know you could be better than what you are. At some point, you got to get yourself together. See, Peter understood something. He says, save yourself from this untoward generation. The word untoward, I looked it up. It literally means inconvenient or inappropriate. Now more than ever, we realize we are living in an inappropriate generation. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even understand how, how public schools are, are, are still in existence sometimes because I think to myself the mess that they're trying to teach young people in public school systems. I pray to God that 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 that, that our young people are protected. I pray that they're covered in prayers. I, I pray that they 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 see that that this is the way and, and that nobody else can try to get in there and teach them any other way. Because we're living in an inappropriate and untoward generation. But even in the midst of all that, you can't blame your public school system if you don't live for God. You can't blame going to college if you don't live for God. 
You can't blame your job if you don't live for God. Can I tell you this? You can't even blame it on saying, well, we didn't have good church today. The devil is a liar. You just didn't move. You think God, you think you're getting God's attention sitting there stiff? No, the devil is a liar. When you need somebody's attention, you don't just stand still. You say, hey, God, I need you right here on my pew. God, I need you right here. I need you in my home. I need you in my family. I don't care what the rest of my pew's doing. I need your attention. Well, come on, lift your voice, church, right now. I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost moving into the room. Well, glory to God. As I was preparing my message today, I, I got to thinking about Brother Cockrell, how he works in that jail, and, and I'm sure he could testify today that there are men he's seen that you just probably think, bro, boy, if you just get your common sense, you'd realize that God doesn't want you to be bound. And, and at the end of the day, unless they're ready to be free and get themselves together, See, some of you, you sitting here, you're still thinking of excuses as why you can't live for God. You're saying, well, I've gone too far, done too much. I, I've said too many things about too many people. Hey, baby, we're not concerned about all that. Just come in and live for God. Come in and get on fire. Come in and let God change your life. Come in and let God change your family. Because one thing I do understand about this apostolic way. Man, we like to talk, don't we? Ever since I started evangelizing, I've, I've made it a personal agenda to stop gossip in Pentecost. Now, I'm not being successful. <laughs> but I'm doing my best. Because we, we excuse gossip because Oh, well, we're just trying to figure out how to pray for them a little bit better. We excuse gossip because, well, if it's true, it's not gossip. We excuse gossip because, well, I was just telling a fellow sister or a brother. Let me tell you something. I, I learned something a long time ago from Brother Ron Mullins. He said this, and, it, and this is, oh, he, he hit the nail on the head. He said, let me tell you what gossip is. He said, gossip is discussing a problem with someone who's not a part of the problem and can't be a part of the solution. Well, next time you get on the phone and you want to talk about Sister Sheila, now you know. Now you know. You, they ain't part of the problem and can't be a part of the solution. You are guilty of the sin of gossip. Pray and repent and let God begin to work. Let me tell you this, if you want to talk about anybody, you come down to an altar and say, God, help them. God, I don't even know if it's true, but God, help their family. God, help their situation. God, do whatever needs to be. Whatever needs to be done, God. God, you know the need better than I do. And I'm asking you, God, to help them. Now, Brother Robbins, if they gossip after today, I tried. 
I tried my best. <laughs> when Pentecost, we, we have the, I don't even know if we do it on purpose sometimes, but we, we, we tend to, to still hold things over people's heads because of what they did yesteryear. Can I tell you that one of the reasons that the prodigal son had such a hard time coming back was not because of the father, but it was because he knew there was people standing over the gates with stones ready to kill him. I pray to God that we don't let our words become stones to people trying to make their way back to the house of God. Hey, they're already fighting all the devil's thoughts that he's put into their mind. I pray to God that the gossip of the saints ain't also assisting in keeping them out of church. Well, I, I, pray, I wish to God somebody would begin to pray with me right now. There's some kind of a pushback in this service right now. We need to pray against the wiles of the devil. Devil, you're a liar. You're not going to take this church. You're not going to take revival from this church. We will see souls saved. We will see people filled with the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, somebody start proclaiming the name of Jesus over this house right now. Jesus. <laughs> My God, my God. I want to tell this church something. Now listen, I've already been preaching a good little minute. I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to wrapping up. But I want you to understand something today, church. It was many years ago, I, I felt the Holy Ghost telling me this on the way. I, and I didn't know how service was going to go. I didn't even know if I was going to say this or not. But I felt the Holy Ghost remind me. Years ago, Brother Rams, I don't know if you remember this or not. I believe it was 20, uh, maybe 2015, 2016. This church had a revival with a man by the name of Justin Leva. And Brother Leva was used in the prophetic. And I remember Brother Leva stopped. We were having high church. And I remember he stopped the service. And if he said anything during that revival that I felt was truly an oracle of God, it was this. He said, Cedar Grove, God just spoke to me. And, and maybe you don't remember this, brother. I hope you do. But he said, God just spoke to me. And he said that he was about to give this church revival. He said, I keep seeing the number 400. And I remember in that service, I, I was just a stupid kid. So, of course, I just rolled my eyes because everybody comes through and everybody says we're going to have a bow. Everybody said we're going to bust out the scene. Everybody said the balcony is going to be full and we ain't saw, saw it yet. But I'm going to tell you something, church. That, that's where the promises of God, they don't die. And, and if we're not careful, we will forget the promises of God and we will put them on an altar of sacrifice because we can't see the end goal. But I come this morning to encourage this church. God's promises are without fail. I said God's promises are without fail. There are still thousands and thousands of people in Tupelo, Mississippi that need the message of Jesus Christ. There are still thousands of people who need to know that Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. There are still thousands of people that need to know that God's getting ready to pour it out over here. And then Another promise that this church has received. I don't remember the time period, Brother Robbins, you may do, but Brother James Carney, the late Brother Carney, he had said that this church was going to have revival where this building could not contain it. Let me tell you something, church. I still believe those promises. 
I, I know you probably, well, Brother White, you're not here. I know I'm not here. But I'm telling you, I still fervently believe every day in my life that God's going to do that for this church. Well, see, I, that, that lets me know that some of you think the promises have died. But I'm telling you, I don't believe they've died one bit. God's going to get ready to pour. Hey, you might have to lose your seat for somebody else to come in and be saved. But, baby, just move over and let them come in. Hey, whosoever will, they're getting ready to come and drink. And I'll be honest with you, one of the greatest revivals I believe that this city will ever see will be the harvest of backsliders. See, I know some of you ain't got backsliding babies and loved ones, but, but I, as for, for some of us that's got family that's not living for God and for some of us that's got family that desperately need the Holy Ghost, hey, I'm sorry, but that resonates a little bit too much with me. I, I, I'm believing that the youth group that I came up with will come back to God. I, I'm believing that the youth I. I See, you want to sit there and act like promises expire, but I, I'm believing for God to do the miraculous in my f- I'm believing for God to do the miraculous. I'm believing for God to bring them all back. I'm believing for... You want to know why I believe it? Why? Because I ain't got nothing else. The Bible says if I had hope in this world only, I would be of all men most hopeless. But I've got hope in the God that I serve. I've got hope in the God of the world. And I believe that he's going to bring them back. Oh, yes, Sister Tiffany. I believe God's going to bring your children. Some of you, you need to see what's happening right now. God's already working in the house. I know some of you saying, well, it ain't happened in my family yet. Hey, Zach's on the way. Andrew's on the way. I believe God's going to reach him, Sister Misty. Oh, yeah, Sister, I, I believe Oliver's all back on the way. I, I've been calling out his name. I'm praying God get a hold of him. God's going to do it for you. I believe it. Oh, come on, church. Don't get quiet. Somebody's over here praying back through the Holy Ghost. If anything, this ought to be a celebration than anything. Oh, come on, church. I just feel like something good is about to happen. I believe God's about to pour it out. Somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost this morning. Somebody's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Something good's happening right now. Oh. <laughs> 